Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 12, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 25, the second paragraph for context, beginning with, The great fact is just this. This paragraph refers us by asterisk and footnote to page 567, where we will then read and share on Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience, in its entirety. Today's readers are Sherry S., Carrie M., Deb W., Lauren N., and Deborah R. Our newcomer greeter is Suzanne W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, April 11, 2017, are 9-8-2-1 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting and 9-8-2-2 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sherry S. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Sherry S. from Massachusetts, compulsive overeater. Uh, The Overeaters Anonymous 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons, all persons we had harmed, and became 
willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our fears. Pass. Thank you, Sherry S. I will now ask Carrie M. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a compulsive overeater from Boston. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, overeaters anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Carrie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Rebecca, we love you. Rebecca, we love you. Rebecca, can you come back, please? Star one. Wow. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, I started hearing it stop and share on what you read. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 25 by rereading the second paragraph for context, beginning with, the great fact is just this. This paragraph refers us by asterisk and footnote to page 567, where we will then read and focus our comments on Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience in its entirety. Deb W., please go ahead and get us started. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Deb W., recovered in Oklahoma. The great fact is just this and nothing else, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book which upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery for the alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheaval. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described, though it was not our intention to create such an impression. Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. 
There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation, Herbert Spencer. There's a whole lot <laughs> to this that I have just read, but I want to just uh, you know, um, give a couple of words about what spoke to me. And uh, if I go back over this spiritual experience, it, I underlined it shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism and, you know, a compulsive eating, not only putting the food in my mouth, but everything uh, that goes with it that I find out about through the steps that I continue to practice and exercise to, you know, core character defects. It's all that is that personality change will bring about a change uh, due to those things. It will remove some of those things. It will, you know, change those to assets or attributes rather than uh, defects. I go down and it says they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. And it, that may happen a little gradually, and then sometimes it happens all at once, like it did for Bill W. Such transformations is what we're talking about. Develop slowly over a period of time sometimes, but then all the friends, they see us being different. You look different, something's different about my attitude, my reaction to life. What really matters changes. Um, and, you know, one thing that is very hard for many of us is that we tap into an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own concept of power greater than. It's not me. It's not me. It's not And I can call it what I want, but it's something more than what I see in front of me. And that's when we talk about the spiritual realm, you know. Uh, And the other part of the book, it says, deep down within us, you know, it's a part of us. And this teaches us to access it and to tap into it. And so it's down a little bit further. It says, you know, uh, he can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. It doesn't say I have to understand it. It doesn't say I have to know exactly what it means or agree to it. It follows up by saying we just have to be willing, honest, open. You know, these things happen to us as we go through the steps. These changes mentally, spiritually happen to us. They make me be able to go through a husband this time last year who had a stroke, who they didn't think was going to make it. A a husband today, I'm handling things. Not me, Debbie. I used to let him do everything I didn't like to do. A mother who had Alzheimer's, who came home from the hospital and died in my house. For a week, she was passing you know, I planned the funeral. Who am I? I don't know how to do that. They make me be able to read the big book after having read it for years. And now at this point, I'm reading it, and something awakens totally different than what I knew before. You know, they make me desire to serve a power greater than me rather than what I can get. You know, they make me pause and back up and think about what I do. I have a conscience that makes me think, well, maybe I was wrong, and I can't rest until I work through it and talk about it with someone else. Yeah, and and I, I'm going to end this, but I'm just knowing and saying that 
whatever, we have to have something more than ourselves because what we had before, God is where we are today. And with that, I, I pass. Thank you, Jeff W. What a great start. Who would like to share on? Matt M. Katie from Boston. Matt M. I'm going to ask you all to hold on for one second because I hate to admit it, but my paper wasn't ready. So I did, I'm not going to say this in order, but what I remembered was Matt M., Harlan G., I think Katie G. Yes. Chrissy G. Uh, Chrissy G. Okay, now I'm on track here. Chrissy G. Tina S. Did I hear? Michael H. Okay, wait. Hold on. Hold on again, because I I just didn't get anything again. So, um, 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 yeah. I got Matt M. Harlan G. Katie G. Chrissy G. I think I heard Kim G. Did I? Yes. Okay. Julie S. Who? Tina S. I'm so sorry, you guys. I know I probably missed earlier people. I got Vasa O, Tina S, Julie. Who else did I miss? Larry. Larry. Michael H. Yeah, Michael H. I remember that now. Who else? They didn't get heard. The names went in one ear and out the other. Okay, let me tell you who I have in in this order. Matt M., Harlan G., Katie G., Chrissy G., Kim G., Julie, either F or S., Tina S., Vasa O., Larry K., and Michael H. Who didn't get heard who tried to speak up? Okay, Matt M., please Go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Matt M., I heard you there for a second and then lost you. Some, someone muted me. Hi, hi, Rebecca, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone muted you. It's just a glitchy thing. It happened to me, too. Yeah. I hear you now, Good Matt M. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., postal overeater from New Jersey. Uh, this is a really good section. I read it all the time because sometimes I have difficulty with the spirituality of the program because I'm stubborn. And I love the end of it where it says, loneliness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. These are indispensable. I have to have an open mind because, you know, it says in the big book, and we we Gnostics, my, my mind shuts against all um, spiritual terms sometimes when I hear that. That's why I... Uh, I need to I need to have an open mind. I don't have to believe in God of uh, the Christian God of the God that I grew up with. I have to believe in a higher power that gives me strength. That I don't have that that doesn't have a religious undertone in it. And uh, that that whole thing about Herbert Spencer, that quote, I really relate to. There is a principle which is a bar against all top, all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. The that principle of contempt, part of the investigation. I had contempt for the program. When I heard this was a spiritual program of action, I ran. I want to run the other way. I didn't want to do this program if I have to believe in God at the end. But that's not what this is asking. It's asking me if, I, if I, I'd be willing to believe that I have a higher power. It could be anything. And right, my higher power is actually the group, the group as a whole. It can't be one person because one person is fallible. It can't be a sponsor. That's why I had so many sponsors over the years because I use my sponsors as a higher power. And they're people. They're human. They're, they're fallible, just as I am. So... 
I have to uh, really believe that there is something there at the end of the, at the end of this process, and I know, I know there is. And mine is going to be the educational variety. I'm not going to have that white light experience. No lightning bolt's going to hit me, and I'm going to be like, oh my God, the, you know, if I see the light, that's not going to be me, you know. And I realize that, and that's why sometimes when I feel like I get like that stubbornness comes in me again, or the, that prejudice pops up, I I tend to read this again, the spiritual experience, to help me get my get rid of that um doshiness that comes in my head. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Harlan G. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I want to thank you for your service and to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. The big book was written in 37 and 38, and in April of 1939, it was published and brought out to the public. And between April of 1939 and March of 1941, when the second printing of the first edition hit the stands, hit the, hit the world, the Alcoholics Anonymous office was not deluged because the book wasn't really selling that well, but they got a lot of people writing in because they were not having this white light, this spiritual experience that was written about in the book. And there were two things that happened between 1939, April of 39, and March of 41. The first thing is the 12th step was changed. We hear this myth in AA and OA that the first 164 pages were never changed. That's not true. They changed the 12th step, and they changed it from having had a spiritual experience to having had a spiritual awakening. What is the difference between an awakening and an experience? And it explains it here, and they added Appendix 2 to explain it. The spiritual experience that Bill Wilson had, sudden and profound, was not what I had, not what most people had. They had a slow-developing spiritual awakening, and it's, he calls it slow-developing of the educational variety, God consciousness. What is the educational variety? <clears throat> well, excuse me, it's what we're doing right now. We're gathered together to learn more than we knew before about the big book. Every time we go to a meeting, every time we work with a newcomer, every time we get worked with, every time we read or experience knowledge of this, it is of the educational variety. And God, excuse me, comes to me more slowly. Your how program in OA comes from this willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. And it was Fred, Fred S., who I knew, but Fred started the How program by just rearranging, or they got the name of it. He didn't start it because of this, but he just rearranged the letters. He took honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness and made the How program, and that's where that comes from. But this is extremely important information that most people don't even go back to the book and read. And what it's explaining to me is that God will come to me in my time God will come to me when he sees fit as long as I keep doing the work. And again, willingness is highly overrated. I have to do the work 
and then God comes to me. It isn't the other way around where I wake up in the morning, I jump out of bed and go, wow, I can't wait to give up the food and work the steps. doesn't work that way. It's the other way around. And with that, I'll guess. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. May I be heard? Yes, I hear you, Katie. Awesome. Just going to set my timer. Good morning. This is Katie G. Recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. Yay! So glad to put my hat in the ring this morning. Um, I guess the first thing I was thinking about is how grateful I am. Um, I really feel like this was where I started to find God because for me and like a lot of people who are talking, you know, I never had like a uh, white light experience, although I definitely yelled at God and was like, where are you? (laughs) Like, show up. It's Katie G. Where are you? And, um, you know, I definitely have experienced this. And it's funny, somebody asked me a question, you know, has my personality changed? And um, I've heard an alcoholic refer to, you know, your personality change is like watching your hair grow, like it, it can be so slow. And then all of a sudden, like when you compare me now to me one year ago, like I'm still having the same fears that come up with me. Thanks, thank God I'm not eating, but I'm still doing the work, but it's like a little better. And I can see like I'm, you know, before I always turned to Katie, you know, there was always like, okay, I'm having a problem. Let me go to Katie to solve it. And, um, you know, the other, the other thing I love to think about is, um, Am I willing to question daily my willingness to be willing? And that comes from um, a book um, that, about, that deals with step six and seven. And um, for me, that means like I turn from this person who, um, you know, I usually, I don't know, 15 years ago, any suggestion that was made to me was wrong, um, pretty much. Like whatever you said to me, if it didn't come from me, it was wrong, even if in five minutes I agreed. And so today that means you know i welcome spiritual considerations into my life and in fact i want them like i pray for them i'm and i when i'm doing step 10 or i'm stuck on something i'm like please help me like help me see this a different way like help me alter my way of thinking and um you know the most profound change is that um, i'm not looking to food i'm not looking to my body i'm not looking to exercise or if i am the recovered thought is I have that thought like, oh, food is going to fix it. And then number two, oh, wait, Katie, no, that's not what we do today. Um, so I love, you know, obviously this um, Herbert Spencer quote is wonderful. And it's all about, you know, going from, yeah, but you're wrong to, okay, maybe, you know, and if I honestly look at my problems in the light of who, of this recovery process. So if I honestly look at my anger and my fear in the light of what, the step process in the light of what it is a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, it's about me. It's not about you. Right. And that my attitude today can be one of God each and every day. And I'll just close with this. Like a lot of my attitude change has been the willingness to practice. So I'm not one of those people that wakes up in the morning and is like, thank you, God. But now I wake up in the morning and I practice my thank you, God. 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 And that is what changes me. And I pray every day that I stayed out of, um, of, the, of the I know guy because the I know never got me anywhere. So it's a privilege to do this one more day with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie G. Chrissy G. Hi. This is Chrissy G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. I've met I've met people over the years and I have myself 
had sudden awakenings of God consciousness. I've I've had them, and it's for for me what it's been is what at the moment before it happened, I was thinking one way, and then I saw things completely in another way, and it wasn't it wasn't anything that that I did. It wasn't a pill that I took, or you know, it it was something that I read and then God did the work in me and I could I could say that oh it'll never happen to me I'll never have sudden awakenings or maybe maybe I maybe a person could really not even be aware aware of them but there those moments when we start to think about things in a way that we never did before ideas that didn't originate from ourselves the fact that I'm sitting outside of a church waiting to go in to squeeze mass in before I go to work today is just unbelievable. And and the relationship that I have with God is nothing that I could have developed because there were times when I wanted it. I, when In my teens, when I was in full-blown bulimia, I went to church and I went to all different sorts of churches. But the thing is, that I wasn't putting down the food, so I wasn't doing my part. That's the work that I have to do. But it comes, the the God consciousness grows, but sometimes there's spurts. There's these big growth spurts, and it's definitely something to look forward to and and also something to acknowledge. You know, just because um, the next morning I I may lose that glimmer that I had the day before, doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's something that I have to nurture, almost like flame, like a fire, to keep it going and growing. So there is a lot of action on my part, for sure. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy D. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And I have to tell you, I I feel like not just OA, 12-step programs in general have started to really um, specialize in years of self-discipline. I mean, I just think of it like, you know, it makes logical sense. There's 12 steps, there's 12 months. Let me take a year to do the steps. Um, I hear a lot about two-year big book studies to get through the steps. I remember hearing a few years ago about um, a, a group in the Northeast that said you have to be abstinent for seven years before you start the steps. And they're letting us know here, it's supposed to take a few months at most. We're supposed to be getting through these steps quickly. And for me, in my keen alcoholic mind, what I do is I say, oh, no, no, that's not for me. I want the educational variety. I'm going to take my time through these steps. That's exactly what my disease wants me to hear. So the way that I read this, the way that my personal experience is, I had to get through those steps quickly. took me a couple months, got through those steps, and as I implement 10, 11, and 12, that's where my educational variety is. I grow away from that person that I was engulfed in the disease and grow towards the person that my higher power always meant me to be by implementing the steps in 10, 11, and 12. But in order to do that, I had to have that compulsion removed. I had to have a spiritual awakening as a result of all of the steps as quickly as possible. And I got a real um, example of this this weekend. I went to my grade school reunion. I graduated grammar school in 1981. 
And that's where a lot of my character defects, I learned them, I developed them. That was my defense against the world. And I could see my growth, but I could also see how much more growth was needed. I could see how awkward I felt. I could see how I became a 13-year-old in these group of people. So I've been recovered for six years. I needed to have that spiritual experience six years ago. But it's the six years of implementing the steps that is the educational variety that I need as I grow away from the food and towards my higher power. And I just want to read some history because Clarence Snyder is someone who started AA in, in um, Cincinnati and um, Cleveland. And that was at the height of, of AA's growth when in the 1940s there was a 75% recovery rate and in, and in Cleveland they were saying it was a 90% recovery rate. And I want to compare that to this spiritual experience versus this don't drink, go to meetings mentality we often have. So it says here, Clarence believed the difference between New York and Midwest AA was the approach to sobriety. In Ohio, this approach was trust God, clean house, and help others. Clarence felt that the approach in New York was don't drink and go to meetings. Emphasis on spirituality is what made Ohio AA so successful, according to Clarence. He noticed that New York AA had but a few members who were maintaining any sort of abstinence from alcohol, and that most Ohio members had achieved what had become permanent sobriety. I'm going to take an extra five seconds, Rebecca. And had numerous strong AA meetings and evidence. Moreover, Clarence thought if the primary purpose of AA was only to stop drinking, and in order to maintain that abstinence was only to go to meetings, AA was doomed to failure. Clarence remembered Dr. Bob once saying, there's an easy way and a hard way to recover from alcoholism. The hard way is to just go to meetings. And with that, I pass. Amen. Kim, Kim, before you mute, were you reading from conference-approved literature? Kim? Maybe she was muting as I was speaking. Well, uh, let's hope so. And Julie? F S, go right ahead. Or F or S. Hi Rebecca, good morning. This is Julie. Can I be heard? Yes. What's the first initial? Hi, S like Sam calling from Florida. Hi Hi, everybody. This is Julie. Hi, it's Julie S from Florida, recovering compulsive overeater. Um you know, when I, every time I read this appendix, what comes to my mind for me is that, um, you know, I, I always looked for evidence of God in OA for three and a half years because I'm such an intellect and I need to see evidence. And then when I started listening to Vision in January, um, something happened and something changed because I had this willingness, open-mindedness, and honesty to um, start to evaluate my program and see that um, I was lacking the spiritual part of the program, and that's why my abstinence was was fleeting. And then when I look back on my eating history, I realized that um, I had plenty of willingness to believe that um, acupuncture balls, Weight Watchers, cleanses, um, needles in my stomach, um, all kinds of pills and things that I tried to lose weight, I was very willing to believe that all of those substances and um, treatments would be the answer to my eating problem. So it was was a very pivotal point in, in my program when I questioned myself, why am I so willing to believe in all this other nonsense? And I wasn't willing to believe that God can solve my problem. And that's when everything shifted for me. Um, 
And the evidence I now see was, um, you know, fleeting moments of joy in my life, which I hadn't felt prior. Um, the, the chronic panic and worry um, was replaced by um, scattered worries about things that would happen, but it wasn't this chronic and panic that um, I felt constantly. And then, now that I'm doing step nine, the real shift for me is making amends. It's unbelievable. It's, if, like, like, I wake up in the morning and, and, I, and, and I remind myself, do I want to feel God in my life? make another amend today. Go back to my list, make my amends, because I will feel God in my life. I mean, so the evidence um, is, is there, you know, strictly by just working the steps as designed by the big book. Thank you so much, Mithetta Cass. Thank you, Julie S. Tina S., it's your turn. Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, Tina's uh, recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting! And you know, I too am very grateful that I read this many, many times and am directed to. And then when going through the big book with others, you know, we have several opportunities in this particular chapter to go back and, and read this. And you know, I, I am real grateful that that a sponsor told me that you know um, that I can have a spiritual awakening and not necessarily have to have had a spiritual experience because that was not Mike my experience you know mine was the awakening and and it's a personality change and sufficient to bring about recovery you know and it comes in many forms i love that because it's not just one way and um you know my experience was gradually over time over working the 12 steps of alcoholics anonymous overeaters anonymous and you know and and i have to say that you know i love that um william james says this but i can remember trying trying to read his book you know uh, religious, I forget, the variety of religious experiences or something like that. I didn't have a clue, could not understand. And what I what I could understand was somebody get, telling me their experience, sharing their experience, strength and hope in Overeaters Anonymous so that I related to them, you know. And, and, and I've, I've under, undergone a profound alteration, a change in my reaction to life, which is amazing to me, let alone other people. I'm sure it is to them also because I'm certain that they didn't really appreciate the way that I reacted. And, um, you know, and it tells me I cannot do this by myself. And, and I always, and I love this share that said, you know, I wanted to do it by myself. You know, I wanted to go to TNET to solve this problem. And it, and it says, any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems can recover. The only way is, the only way I can be defeated is by my attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. And that also has been my experience. You know, I first came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1987, and my abstinence date is 1999. So there's a little, like, 12 years difference there because I certainly came in being intolerant and belligerent, you know. And when I was finally beaten to, to a state of reasonableness, I was willing to let somebody else, you know, share their experience, strength, and hope. And therefore, you know, I was given this gift. And... um and it's all through a power greater than myself, because on my own, I'm screwed. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Vasa O. It's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Rebecca, for your service. And good morning, everyone. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from uh, Florida. I, I was one of those people that had a sudden spiritual experience, like Bill, 
and the minute I got on my knees and I surrendered to God and and just to admit that I was powerless over the food addiction, I could not control it any longer, and I had asked God to forgive me for all the sins I had committed in my lifetime, and uh, I felt this power go from my head to my heart. It was like a shock to me. I felt like it was like electrical thing, like the plug, like I put the iron to, I plugged the iron into the electricity to get warmed, and that was like a connection with me and my higher power. And I heard this small voice say to me something about, uh, it was acceptance, forgiveness, and honesty, but it was geared toward me not to other people yet. That came later. And I just felt like I, the old me died, and I felt like I was born again. I never understood what people said before when people being born again, like on TV or something when I heard things like that, till it happened to me. And uh, I thought being born again was to be born from a father and mother. That was my understanding, and I was not going to share about my experience. It took me a couple of years. I did tell my sponsor about it, and she said that's the higher power, that's the Holy Spirit, whatever we want to call it, and I was terrified it was going to leave me, and she said to me, our higher power will never, never leave us. It's us that we pull away from God. And I've never let God. I'm, I've hung up there with him, you know, her, with him, I called him. And I've stayed since 1986, since I surrendered. And I've had many more awakenings, working through the steps and personality changes. And it's just amazing. And that was the time that, you know, from that night, I became abstinent because I kept on drawing on that power on God. I would say, please, God, don't let me go back into the food. Don't let me go back to my alcoholic food. And it really has worked, and it has worked for everything, you know, going through the steps with the character defects, gradually surrendering, and the transformation, you know. But I never left the program. I stayed with it, and I'm so grateful I'm, I am a different person today. I w- couldn't even read the tools when I came to the program. So, I mean, it's amazing what this power that I have from within inside, I never thought I had it or ever existed, and that is my higher power. Thank you for letting me share I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Larry Kay, you're next. Rebecca, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, if we're not open to a spiritual awakening, I can assure you, you will not have one. Um, I can be an intelligent, charitable, well-intentioned human being. I desperately wanted and I needed this change, and I still remain selfish, self-centered. And for a long time, I didn't understand that, that the spiritual transformation was about moving from a a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. And you see, because I believe that if I wanted this bad enough and I needed this desperately enough, and if if I took some actions 
dabbled in some actions rather than immersing myself in the precise actions in sequence that this process requires. See, when I did that, I got, when I did the dabbling, I got the exact promise to those who dabble because half measures availed me nothing. I got nothing. And that was the thing I didn't understand. I thought if you wanted this bad enough and you needed it bad enough, and I did, and you prayed and you went to church or you went to temple and you prayed and you needed it, and every morning you woke up and you wanted it and you needed it and God changed me, you could still remain selfish, and I did. It was only through these actions done in sequence that I began to change to move from that self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. And I did not make the determination when that would occur, when that point in time, when the scale would tip over to that point in time where I had moved. See, God all the time would make that determination. The higher power would make that determination. That is what I believe, and that is what I've experienced. And, you know, when they talk about the, the four absolutes of the Oxford group, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, you know, that, that, that this was never about food and your weight, or if you're too thin, getting to a proper weight, or being able to just feel comfortable in your own skin. Those were all sort of after effects. Those were things of moving from that self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. Those things did happen, but coming at it from, you know, looking at this program, those are the things I wanted on my terms, and I desperately needed them, and they never ever happened until I took the actions that moved me from a selfish man to an unselfish man today. Still human, woefully human, but I can say that God changed me where I'm not the same person that I used to be. And then and only then were the promises, did the promises come true. One of which was the obsession was driven out, gone. Thank God for this program. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Michael H. Good morning, Rebecca, and thanks for your service. May I be heard? I hear you, Michael H. Great, great. I just wanted to plug in this morning real quick and, and share my take on this wonderful reading, and thank you for all the great shares. It says, upon careful reading, shows that the personal change sufficient to bring around bring about recovery from compulsive overeating has manifested itself among us in many different forms at the beginning. And I want to bounce to the end of, of the reading where it talks about the contempt prior to investigation because I was... I was actually stuck there in the beginning, although I didn't know it. Um, so my, the spiritual awakening that I had started with with really somewhere along the line, probably before step three, before I made the decision to actually work this spiritual program of action, where I really made that decision. I had to invoke a series of set-aside prayers, to set-aside everything that I knew about God, you know, my higher power that I call God. Um, I had a previous, the previous 15 years or so were were uh, deeply religious, and I obviously, as an addict, had been struggling. 
So my spiritual awakening has been totally different than my belief in a higher power. And I, and I would describe that, in fact, as a God consciousness as opposed to a belief. And and so I, too, experienced my the spiritual awakening through the educational variety. Um, it started to happen for me in, in, in step three, um, when I did set aside everything I knew about, about God. There was a little twinge of something going on. By the time I got through steps four and five, I could tell that, that there was really a change. I had a piece about my life that I, that I did not ever have. It continued through the steps a little bit. And by the time I, I finished nine, I started to feel free. Um, and this is one of the great facts for me. Just going through now daily working, steps 10, 11, and 12, um, I'm starting to grow more and more in that God consciousness. And, and really, it's a different way of life. Uh, my life prior to coming to program and working these steps was literally impossible, from the food to everything else. Uh, the devilments on page 52 were, were alive and well in, in my life. and. Uh, so that's about all I have. The great fact for my life today is uh, that the obsession has been removed, and that is a miracle. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Michael H. Guess what? We have time for two more people to share. If there's two people. Kelly, Melissa C. Kelly S. Okay. Kelly S. Kelly, Kelly S. and Melissa C. Very good. Kelly S. Go right ahead. Thank you so much for your service. This is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Um, I just wanted to share on this kind of, well, of course, everybody did. But anyway, um, I definitely had contempt prior to investigation. I've been around these rooms for 30-plus years like I shared yesterday. And, you know, I had just become, in my mind, the hopeless variety. And, um, you know, I have read and try to recreate my own spiritual experience many times. I don't know if you guys read Lifeline. There's all kinds of stories in there and Bill W. stories. So I've tried to recreate those, and it never quite works. I just thought if I could just get that white light, this would work. You know, in the 12 and 12, it talks about we no longer need the burning bush. I'm like, "Um, wait a minute. I so totally need the burning bush. And I had a sponsor one time say to me, are you kidding me? If you walked up to a burning bush, you'd be screaming, going, somebody, there's a burning bush, and you'd be stomping it out. You know, because the truth is I have contempt prior to investigation. I'd be like, I'm crazy. That's not God. So, you know, what I had to do in the uh, previous share talked about this was I had to start doing the set-aside prayer. You know, I had to, you know, I, I listened to you guys. The problem had been solved, so I'm willing to do something different because my disease brought me to my knees. So I started doing that set-aside prayer because it was my best thinking that kept me in my disease. And so every morning I prayed that. Um, it took me like two months of just, you know, saying that prayer every day before I roll out of bed. And to this day, I still say that. And then, you know, as we heard earlier, too, willingness is, is great, but I had to start taking the action. And, you know, it's like I can't make myself just stop compulsively overeating, and I also can't make myself just be a nice person. I can't just stop my character defects. And so I had to start doing what you guys told me to do. I had nothing left to do but pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools 
And I started doing that. You know, I did the set-aside prayer. I started making time for my higher power because it's a spiritual program. There's not a spiritual part, and that was the thing I was missing. I was doing all the tools. You know, I was trying to work the steps, but I was leaving God out of it. And just like with any relationship in my life, you know, if I don't spend time with you guys, my friends, my family, we lose touch. And the more we go to lunch, the more we hang out, the more we do stuff, the closer we get. So the more time I spend in prayer and meditation, kind of funny, I get closer to my higher power and I get connected. And then like it talks about in the spiritual experience, you know, time has passed. And then I look and I'm like, oh, my God, I've had a profound alteration in my reaction to life. Who is this person? is not me. The fact that I can keep the food down happily, the fact that I am learning to make amends and clean up my crap, and like somebody else shared, it's not that I don't get in the crap. I'm seeing it sooner. I'm changing my behavior, and sometimes I'm actually reacting different today, and that's the cool thing, and I'm just so grateful that I'm willing to not, um, you know, not practice this disease anymore and to no longer have contempt prior to investigation and to have be open-minded and go to God and quit looking for um, ease and comfort and everything else but my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kelly S. Melissa C., you'll be our last person to share in this hour. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, I had the slower um ever strengthening kind of God consciousness. And, um, but I thought that I was going to be like struck with a God awareness that I would have um, this powerful God experience. And then I'd be propelled to do the work. You know, I thought God would first come to me on my terms, give me what I wanted, what I thought I needed. And then because he gave me the things I had on my wish list, then I'd be able to live this better life, you know, and I had it all backwards, you know, all the work um, that comes first, you know, we do all the steps first and then we get the spiritual awakening. You know, I needed to practice all the components of living that good life, you know, and then, aha, uh-huh, you know, then God takes root inside me, you know, and um, I've got to cooperate with the process. I've, I, I've had a personality change, but it's been slow, you know, and it's still happening. It's not done. You know, I'm not done. Um, I still get tripped up. Um, you know, what I reflect on regularly, um, and this reading is so powerful with this, is that contempt prior to investigation and that it really applies to everything, not just God, um, that my mind has to be open, that, you know, what can destroy me is my closed mind, you know, believing I have all the answers and anything that anyone else has to say or anyone else's position, um, is somehow less than, you know, that can take me down. And, you know, when I first came to OA and started hearing this higher power thing, it sounded very cult-like, you know. I, I, My mind kept snapping shut, like, was this a cult? Are these people looking to brainwash me? And then, you know, someone lovingly pointed out, you know what, maybe your mind needs a little cleansing, you know. And the truth is my mind was messy. My thinking was polluted, you know. I needed my brain washed. Um, and thank God for these steps, which has changed me, but I cooperate with the process, and then the God awareness comes. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Okay. Um, we've, thank you, everyone. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, uh, this is Lauren N. Can you hear me? I hear you, Lauren N. Thank you. Our, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will consistently disclose more to you and to us. Ask him for in, the, in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us we will be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny may god bless you and keep you until